Welcome to the Higher Ed Huddle, where we discuss the most relevant topics with higher ed leaders. Today's guest is Cindy Mitchell. Uh, she was the CIO for four and a half years at Colby College until stepping down recently to retire. She led a high-performing team of dedicated professionals providing academic technology, information security, infrastructure, administrative, and support services. In her time at Colby, she led a significant change effort to modernize the administrative systems, including an enterprise integration platform and the implementation of Workday HCM, payroll and finance, along with the replacement of many other homegrown solutions, fondly called the things that eat our lunch. Prior to Colby, Cindy was at the University of Maine system for 30 years, coming up through the ranks from client services to associate chief information officer. Welcome, Cindy. Thank you for joining me today. It's been lovely to be here. <laughs> I'm looking uh, forward to our conversation. Uh, as a former CIO, I'm interested in hearing your thoughts and insights after leading IT organizations for over 35 years. I understand you will be retiring uh, or you have retired this month. So I think this is a wonderful time to reflect on the role and what you see as opportunities for future CIOs. So uh, let's just dig in. I um, wanted to ask, uh, what are the things you're reflecting on as you transition to retirement? So much of what I've been doing this past month is supporting the interim. And one of the amazing opportunities in that time is when you see someone who's been on your team, who you have developed to be ready for a role like this, be in that role and watch them just own it, take it and go. So really as a leader of a department like that, one of the things you really wanna be able to do is, is leave a succession plan, know that there are people that can step in. It just makes them more successful at that role. And uh, I leave feeling really, really good about the future of Colby ITS and the leaders that will remain now that I'm retiring. Um, the uh, the transition or succession plan that you've left uh, at Colby or put in place uh, in preparation for your retirement, um, you have to be proud of, of really having a, a team ready to take the reins uh, as you transition out. You know, how long ago did you start that succession planning? And can you talk a little bit about the cross-functional teams um, that you implemented at Colby? Yes, when, when I came to Colby, I was retiring from the University of Maine system. So clearly I was in probably the last gig of my career. And when Colby post position, they were looking for a transformational CIO. They know they had a lot of work to do. And um, I saw a key part of that work. I wasn't gonna be a 20 year CIO at Colby was to develop um, a really good succession plan and part of the, the need that I saw in my six month listening tour is that IT, ITS, which is not unusual at all, was really functioning as seven separate silos or six different silos. There's people are so heavily focused on the work that they had to do, as well as the carryover from how IT used to work. You know, it really didn't work as a cohesive unit, but changing technology, how technology is now flowed so heavily out into functional areas 
and created more consumer-based approach to technology is really requires that ITS work more as a high functioning team in itself. So one of the first changes we made is to establish a couple of projects that required cross-functional teams. And so we did that and that was so highly successful. We began to look at whenever we were, had a problem we needed to solve or we were implementing, starting a new process, each of those had a cross-functional team. So now we had project-based cross-functional teams as well as operational cross-functional teams. And that they really embraced it. It didn't take long for people to come to me and say, I think we really need a cross-functional team for this. So they embraced it, they worked within it, and it addressed one of the issues that they felt like is they don't really know what their colleagues do. So how can we be a team and work together if we don't know what our colleagues do? And this really helped to get at that, to have people for, have multiple cross-functional teams going to be able to cross-pollinate information back to the individual departments within ITS. It was very well received and it's been really successful. And it also allowed us to develop more leaders. Each of those required a leadership role and opportunity. So it also fostered that type of environment as well. Yeah, that's great. And, and as far as succession plan for, for you uh, from a CIO perspective, um, did you identify a person within your organization um, at some point, um, six months or a year back? And did you, how did you develop that person to be prepared to take the reins uh, as you retired uh, last month? So that's an interesting question. Um, that was, again, more like a four and a half year journey. And um, as the cross-functional teams emerged, directors take took on um, responsibility beyond the scope of what they'd had. Um, I knew that there were a couple of people uh, that were potential, but there was really one that had deeper and broader experience. And what I saw coming at Colby, you know, we need to look at replacing our student information system. So having somebody who is an outstanding leader who really had a lot of experience across the board as leading the academic technology area made a lot of sense as an interim um, because we needed to focus on transforming the administrative side of the academic world. And he's got the leadership skills and, and the experience working with the academic side to help bridge that gap. Too often we go into these projects without having, without really recognizing that relationship up front mm -hmm. and then they don't go well. Um, so, um, I think a lot of it was just through the work, but another, as it got closer to the end and we saw that the student information pieces we were gonna start doing some planning for, it became more obvious that who the, who the candidate would be. But honestly, I'd have to say that in terms of my leadership team, I didn't treat any one of them any differently or um, change my expectations or create different opportunities. I really was, giving them all uh, similar opportunities to have more responsibility, more leadership, own their spaces, and, and really uh, live and lead the strategic planning we had in place and the strategic um, commitments that we had internally and in principles. 
Good. I um, I'm I'm interested in in hearing your thoughts on what you see as future challenges and opportunities. Uh, you know, as you as you departed Colby, I, I'm sure you uh, imparted some wisdom on uh, on your staff and uh, maybe gave them uh, some some things to think about. Um, maybe maybe some opportunities. Uh, to consider going forward and, and maybe just uh, give us a little bit of your insight on, on what you think uh, will be future challenges uh, and opportunities. Well, um, you know, pace of change is the biggest thing. Mm -hmm. Recovering from technical debt is another thing, but, but fundamentally, having IT as an organization that sees itself in service to the mission of the college is primary. And I will say that I think the Colby ITS team and the ethos of Colby in particular has been one of very, being very mission driven. So, um, you know, as I was stepping down as CIO, that was part of what I reflected on. This has been a very mission driven ITS team it's all about helping Colby students be successful, Colby faculty and our colleagues be successful in what they have to do. And, and it's staying focused on that. It isn't about the technology or the widgets. It's about how we are deploying those in service to the institution. And I think that that is such a strong component of that team to stay focused on that, stay focused on the teamwork that they've developed is really what they need to do. You you mentioned technology. It's not about technology. It's I, and I and in our previous conversations, you've talked about those relationships and the importance of that, especially with developing or transforming, I should say, uh, a new ERP system across your um, institution. Real basic question: Is technology helping? Um, do you do you see it helping in any way? Well, absolutely. Um, one of the things I was thinking about this morning was so many of the changes we put in place to get us from very manual, rigid, on-premise services. Some of those changes we've made over the last few years made a huge difference in our ability to go remote when we needed to. And at the same time, what um, what we're finding, you know, we're in this period right now, as soon as you go live on a new ERP, you're in this period of, well, the trough of disillusionment or implementation dip, as they call it, where people were so used to how they did their jobs. You're still just getting used to all the new technology and um, how to do the job. So we're still, you know, we're, we're six, nine months in. So all of that, it's all a big learning curve right now. But there are so many things that we've identified that are better for users and are better for the college, easier to implement some of our policies. Um, instead of people sitting and doing data entry, they're able to spend their time working with their the people they serve. So yeah, absolutely technology is helping. There's no question about that. Improvements in our internet speed and the infrastructure changes we've made there, information security, the continued investment there to protect our, our storage actually does have an impact on our users because if they're spending their time dealing with phishing attempts or suspected phishing attempts and things like that, that's a waste of their time. So yes, all of these changes 
are improvements for the times in the moment they just feel hard because they feel new. Yeah, that's a great point. And I, I'm curious, do you, do you see uh, IT, uh, IT's role across campus shifting more to a integrator and facilitator versus, um, you know, being, being a a cost center or just a, a, a tech provider, if you will. Absolutely. One of the things uh, that's a challenge of having very um, centralized systems where IT has to update a date before an office can actually do a key process they have to do every year. Those are, are that's old technology where IT was in the center of every business process. And the new world is for the functional offices to be in control of their own business processes or academic processes, whatever they may be. So yes, that has been a significant shift in um, how, just even in four and a half years on the relationship of IT to the campus itself. And as with all things like that, there's a little bit of tension. You'll hear, well, now I have to do the stuff that IT used to do. This used to be IT's job to do it. So there is a a change management transition process in that as well. Um, But that shifts us to being people standing behind the functional people. We're there to support them. We help dig into things. We have analysts rather than developers, you know, that role between, you know, we still always need some developers, but needing more analysts to really work on that intersection between functional and technical has become the more prominent and needed role within the organization. And, and that also means, you know, different skills are required on the IT side. So who we're hiring, you know, we're not asking for, you know, five to 10 years of coding experience anymore. We're looking for change people who can support change and support um, more of that analytic type process. So yes, massive changes. And again, I've been really impressed with how the IT team, because they had such strong relationships with these users later, there was a trusted relationship. So the transformation is with in people who trust each other. Yeah. And I think that's, you know, before, if you don't have great relationships going into a major change, you better figure out how to work on those and develop trust because it isn't going to get better if it isn't there when you're changing how people work together. Even in really good relationships, you get that, but I didn't used to have to do this. I teach this. And there's that reflection on, should I be doing this? Well, yeah, that's actually your job. And we're giving you more freedom for us not to be in your way, which we're not a bottleneck anymore. Sure. Did, did you see um, an accelerated change uh, during the pandemic this past year with respect to uh, IT being perceived more as a partner or more of a strategic player versus really just you know, providing technical services? Did you see that at Colby? You know, I think because of the way our some of our stuff, our work had been done and IT was so involved in business processes of the college, I'm not sure that um, we were in a place like some places where we were just really perceived as just the technical people. You know, even when I came to Colby, the role between folks in Colby, even the developers with the functional partners was really collaborative because frankly, 
pretty much every time a functional partner needed something, Colby had ITS had to code it. So there were really good working relationships. But I think that the position we were in was they were used to coming and asking, and we had new and better tools to be able to respond and be more creative. Um, one of the things we did see is sometimes people did things thinking that they had to solve it themselves and we felt bad afterwards. Oh, I wish they'd ask us because we could have made that a lot simpler. And as the year, as the, you know, particularly the fall went on, what we could bring to the table became more obvious. Yeah, oh, maybe we should talk to IT about these data things first because it turns out they can help. So I would say it evolved. There was an expectation at the beginning of this that that we were just going to be there. And we were, in, you know, back in March, we were part of the campus-wide planning teams to move remote teaching and learning and work remote right from the get-go. Um, I think sometimes it's just not even knowing at the detail level what we're able to do and help with as people solve problems. Yeah, in my conversation with, with uh, CIOs, uh, this past year, one of the lessons learned is that we can do it. Uh, higher ed can do it. And yes. uh, that certainly was demonstrated this past year. So I'm glad to hear that. In two um, weeks. We did it in two weeks. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's right. Yeah. Um, so, uh, you know, looking, looking ahead, um, you know, for the future CIO, what are, what are some things or advice that you would you would give them um, and, th and this can really be across the board what are, what are some tips or advice that you would provide first thing is spend as much time as you can afford um, as a new CIO getting to your new location getting to know everybody you can know on campus and listen what do they do what do they need from IT what is their work or their partners. So really, really early in the game, you need to get the playing field of, of who are the people that you serve. And at the same time, or shortly thereafter, you need to do the same thing with your team. Listen to them, give them a chance to say what they think they contribute, what the IT should be doing. So there's really a two-pronged process for a new CIO. For future CIOs, I think the way you lay the groundwork to be ready for that practice is in the work you do, make sure you have great relationships with your partners that you have on campus. Learn and be the person in IT, not just isolating your role to IT, but how can you serve your community? Are there community committees you can be on? Are there things you can volunteer for? Get to know the overall work of your college or what is the college? What all does it do? It better prepares you to be and be able to identify things that IT, IT can do for the college. Um, wherever you can find opportunities externally to be involved, develop your external relationships as, a, as an emerging and up and coming leader. Those co there are always a cohort of people that are like you. And there are so many ways to be able to develop those cohorts, whether through in higher ed, the EDUCAUSE um, Institutes, Leadership Institute, Leading Change Institute, Senior Directors. Um, you know, there are local opportunities. Uh, 
SIGOX has a mentoring program. You could be a mentor, ask to be mentored, as, as, as does EDUCAUSE. Um, but find those ways to develop those relationships because they become more and more important, not just for having um, growth opportunities, but also your network, your broader network, especially if you aspire to go out in the world and apply for CIO positions to really understand all the differences in types of institutions and challenges is such a rich, there's nothing better than to sit down, think about a problem and say, oh, Susan at X has done this before. I'm gonna call her and get her thoughts on how to handle that. Or I've got this really challenging personnel situation and I know in one of our, our um, gatherings, somebody talked about that. I wanna hear how they handled it. Those cohorts are one of the most powerful things you can do to develop your network as well as your opportunities to learn. And I think uh, there's so many pieces I'm flipping back and forth between external and internal. Um, I, a number of folks I know, and I certainly was very, very fortunate to have this opportunity, was to be able to find ways to connect with leadership at the institution I was at, to learn what's important to them. Um, that can be through encouraging your current departmental leadership to ask these people to come and speak to your department or to set up opportunities for middle-level le leaders to engage in opportunities with institutional leadership around what's important, IT, vision for IT, IT how can you help? So I, so I think as I sum that up, it, it's take ownership of this, be active in your growth, look for ways for you to do it. Sometimes it's gifted to you without you looking for it, but more often than not, you have to be ready to look for doors and walk through them in order to grow and be ready. That's great advice, and I, I'm, um, I'm happy to hear that um, you know you shared the the importance of relationships and really getting to know more of your peers at the business level across the institution. I think that's right. that's really important. absolutely um, developing those relationships are key. Um, one other thing, just I'm sorry to interrupt, but one other thing I was just thinking is sometimes a barrier to leadership development is cost. But there are other, there are a number of free resources out there, including just awesome YouTube resources like Simonek. The NERCOMP in, in, in New England, we have the NERCOMP organization. And part of that we offer uh, through the academic year, once a month uh, leadership ecosystem webinars that are free. You know, you can you can just listen in. So there are there are many resources. I, I didn't want to leave the impression you had to pay a lot of money. Some of it's about network. Some of these other pieces, you know, uh, are institutes that cost money, but there are so many resources that are, are free as well. And they always lead to the next thought. They're mm -hmm. thought provoking um, and give you ways to explore what other op opportunities might be out there to learn. Yeah, and I would just add, there's a lot of online resources that are free as well. Absolutely, believe, absolutely. Um, for for up and coming CIOs as well as current CIOs. So and mid level so, managers. Mm -hmm. Not every mid level manager is an up and coming CIO. They may mm -hmm. choose that's not a path, but the importance of the leadership they bring to the IT team is 
is really essential to a well-functioning organization. Yeah, that's that's a really good point. Um, I uh, I wanted to ask you about uh, the so-called um, things that eat our lunch. Um, maybe <laughs> yeah. maybe you can share a little insight on the on the story behind that. <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah. So. Um, when I got to Col this, this is truly a Colby thing. This did not uh, come from anything in my prior 30 years of experience, though in retrospect, it would have been a great thing to call some of the things from our prior experience. But, you know, some of the feedback I was getting is, you know, IT is the, uh, is the department of no, or in IT can't say no. I was hearing both of those things. And I realized as I listened to, the people we serve, and I listen to the IT team, both of those things were true. And one of the things that had happened over time is every time somebody needed a new thing, it was built within an old ERP infrastructure that we have. And what that meant is every time it needed to be fixed or changed or we, or we got um, releases, we now had all this custom code in and packages that people really relied on within it to do their jobs. And they more and more IT time was spent on just taking care of all these things. So when somebody wanted something new, sometimes the answer had to be no, but then there would be an edict that it had to be done. So you couldn't say no, because something critical to the college wouldn't get done. And so, uh, it became clear that we were really hamstrung with our ability to transform by the, the body of things that only we could take care of. And um, the, the way it started was for me to ask, you know, the folks in ITS, what are the things that are working well and what are the things that eat your lunch? And so we ended up with this massive board of all of the homegrown things that only we could take care of and it just became the things that eat our lunch. And actually, because it was such a massive piece of our ability to transform IT to support the college, it, at, we named that one of our strategic initiatives, which was getting rid of the things that eat our lunch. I love it. I, <laughs> I, I, I think there's a, a book in your future with that title. So <laughs> keep yeah. you busy. And, you know, and, and it was one of the ways that we tackled that in an institution where um, the administrative side hadn't seen a lot of change because mm -hmm. we could just build it is we started really small. Some of these things that would take hours for us to take care of at the beginning of every semester, we were able to replace with a $1,500 a year purpose-built third-party service, which made everybody happy. You know, when the provost office, when they were completely in control of doing faculty voting every year and not have to ask IT two months in advance to get it ready. That was transformational, very happy. So we could make really big changes for a little bit of money. And so that's how we tackled it. We, we knew we couldn't even take on a great big project until we got rid of the things that ate our lunch every day. And so that there was like a picking away at the bottom to make room to do the big things. Yeah, I love that concept, and I think, I think just the visual is just really brilliant. So, uh, thanks for sharing that. Um, any any last departing thoughts uh, before we wrap up our time together? 
No, this has probably been one of the, you know, I have had just an amazingly rewarding career and to be able to be a part of uh, the kind of change that we've experienced in 35 years from the time you wheeled the big iron in the door and, and mounted tapes and used punch cards to take care of our technology to today. So much of it doesn't even sit within our space. We're just, we're facilitating it and working more closely with our functional partners. It's just been a privilege to be a part of that. And in a, in a weird sort of way, and I know I'm not the only one saying this to be a, to have the privilege of being a part of what we've had to do this past year to truly in moments transform the college um, has has just been a total professional rush because in a moment you get to see the resilience of the people you work with and the power of the technology you can put in place quickly or have in place. So my parting words are it has just been wonderful to be a part of this world and this work and uh, I'm sure there are parts of it I'm going to miss <laughs> a lot. <laughs> <laughs> and the people, I'm sure. Absolutely. That's <laughs> the hugest part of it is it is people work. I know that probably doesn't sound like what somebody in IT might think, especially early in the career. It's people work. Very rewarding people work. Well, Cindy, uh, congratulations on a, an amazing career. And uh, I'm I'm sure that uh, the insights and advice you shared today will provide our listeners uh, with several uh, key takeaways to consider. Uh, I want to thank you for joining me today and happy retirement. You, you deserve it. So thank you. And thanks for having me. It's been fun to reflect on this, this, this morning. Yeah, that's great. Um, thank you again. Uh, you can find our podcast on iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, and Google. Check back next month for another great topic and great guest. Until then, stay well.